Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. From hard news to pop culture, he's got you covered. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. So now I know how Lewis Hamilton felt. Can you guys jack up my headset a little bit? Give me some more level, please. Just uh, give me some some more headset gain here. We might as well tell everybody what we're doing. Uh, now I know what uh, Lewis Hamilton felt like in his Formula One car while he was trying to adjust the thing in the middle of a race. Going into corners and chicanes, and he's pushing all the buttons on his software in the car because it's not responding. And they're in his headphone from the pits telling him to do this and to do that until he finally told them where they could park their cars. Anyway, it, it's been a, an interesting start with our, uh, with our software throwing curves our way. But I think we may have the situation under control now. Eventually, humans beat the machines, at least for now. Miguel Oliveira was found guilty of leaving the scene of an accident. An accident that took the life of Toronto teacher Tom Sampson. Miguel Oliveira was sentenced to six months in jail, a two-year driving ban, three years of probation, and 240 hours of community service. He had three months taken off that six-month sentence for time under house arrest. And that left him with 90 days to serve in prison, which the judge said he could do on weekends. How convenient. Mr. Sampson's family is outraged at the sentence. And as I said earlier, it sounds to me a little bit, at least the sentencing part of it, the logic of the sentencing, sounds to me like the Musa Sidema case in Montreal, where he got 60 days after he slapped his daughter and she died and he was charged with and convicted of manslaughter. But he's a gentleman. So they gave him 60 days. The family, the Samson family, have lost their son, their brother, husband, and father. Dan Samson joins me on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. He's the brother of Tom Samson. And Dan posted some photographs of Mr. Oliveira's minivan after it collided. It hit his brother. And you'll find them on my Twitter account at the Roy Green Show. Dan, thank you for taking the time. Uh, thanks for having me on, Roy. I appreciate that. Would you share with us, please, what happened? What do you know about what happened on the road when your brother lost his life? What took place? What do we know for sure? So, uh, we know, well, what I'm going to be telling you is actually from pretty much from the agreed statement of facts from the uh, trial. And uh, that is on November the 23rd, 2012, at approximately 6.45 a.m., uh, my brother was um, hit from behind. Uh, Are you still there, Dan? Davenport and Lansdowne in Toronto, which is, you know, it's, it's a fairly a major, major intersection, but a fairly busy intersection. And um, the, what we know is from the point of impact, uh, there was quite a bit of confusion. The force of the impact threw him forward into the intersection and into the oncoming path of another van coming the opposite direction, which also struck him. Um, uh, he was pronounced dead at the scene. Um, and uh, what we know after that is that the van, the original van that was driven by Miguel Oliveira, um, the witnesses reported that he did even tap the brake light as he went through that intersection. 
Uh, he, at that point, proceeded to drive home. He phoned his boss to let him know that he'll be running late, switched cars, one of his family members' cars, and went to work that day. And uh, 40 hours after that, he turned himself in after having, uh, so, so to say, lawyered up and has never said a word to the police or to anyone else but what actually happened that morning. Nothing. nothing. Not a word. He said nothing to anyone. Sorry, I think I lost you there. Are you, can you hear me, Dan? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm so sure you heard me there. I think I lost connection. No, no, I, 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 we're having some issues with our, yeah. with our okay. software here today. Okay. So he said nothing to police. He said nothing to you. He said nothing to the court. Is he that has, correct? Yeah, he has exercised his right not to, uh, not to speak, and he has never said a word. He, the first words I've ever heard him speak was when he mumbled a two-sentence apology to the judge, not facing the family at the uh, sentencing hearing. The judge, if I understand it correctly, Dan, the judge said she was passing judgment only on the hit and run, and she didn't find that Mr. Oliveira killed your brother, again, if I understand it correctly, and delivered that very benign-sounding six-month prison sentence, three months uh, credited for a house arrest, another three months to be served on, served on weekends, so 45 weekends, just about 11 months. So she, she, was only, she only pronounced sentence on the leaving the scene of an accident, correct? So let, let us actually be specific here, because... No, I'm asking you. I don't know. You know, I'm at, this, the charge he was facing was leaving a scene of accident causing death. Okay. Which under criminal code, federal criminal code, section 252, is punishable up to life in prison. Right. Just like impaired driving causing death. So I'm not even sure if she mentioned, uh, you know, that the, the charge was failing to remain at the scene of an accident causing uh, death. She certainly mentioned remaining, failing to remain at the scene of an accident. But, uh, you know, it's it's... From our opinion, that the sentence, the lightness of it, is, is a travesty. It's a collective slap in the face by the legal system to our family, uh, to the cyclist community, which has been very supportive in this case, uh, to the city of Toronto, frankly, uh, to, the, to the rest of the country, to citizens that you know, wonder what's happened to our justice system when this is the kind of... Um, sentences are being passed down when you take a life. You know, Dan, I was going to say that uh, the option was, with the charge that was delivered, if found guilty, it could result in life imprisonment. The Crown was asking for 12 to 18 months, and the judge turns around and delivers the sentence that she delivered, and did she not say that she was finding him guilty only for leaving the scene? That was actually the only charge that he was facing. Um, that is the only charge that the uh, police and the prosecution laid, and uh, that is frankly a whole other story in terms of how, what direction this investigation took from the start. Um, in fact, at the first couple of months of this case, the police seemed to be blaming my brother for this, and it's only after the forensics came back from the police and they realized that he had not been going northbound through a crosswalk against the red light, but actually stationary, nearly stationary, attempted to make a legal left turn when he was hit from the left side and behind and uh, in the throne, indicating he was making a left, a legal left turn. And at that point in time, we actually hired uh, a fairly well-known criminal lawyer, Ed Sepiano in Toronto, to actually make the police change the accident report because they weren't about to do that either. The, you had concerns about the police investigation. They were investigating the use of a mobile phone when your brother didn't own a mobile phone. Is that correct? One of the bizarre first state of the theories that they were working on after the beginning was that, um, you know, he had turned around from his trip to the uh, to the uh, to his workplace, which they were, where he was heading in the morning, 
because he had forgotten his cell phone at home and uh, and he was biking you know in the opposite direction going home to pick up his phone uh, at that point we told him that he actually does not own a cell phone so they went ahead and they they assumed yes and they conducted their initial investigation based on an assumption correct and obviously with no cooperation from mr Oliveira because uh, you know not, none of these None of these things came to light until after the forensics came uh, came to light. You know, the justice system operates on uh, precedence a great deal, particularly where sentencing is involved. Correct. Uh, one sentence influences the next judge who faces a similar situation and similar charge. So the question now is, what deterrence has been established by this sentence from Mr. Oliveira? What deterrence is there for individuals to remain at the scene when they're involved in an accident, and particularly one that involves significant physical injury and or death. Uh, What's the deterrence? In my opinion, there is no deterrence. It's essentially a a carte blanche to, uh, especially if you run away and there's impairment involved or the other aggravating factors such as careless driving or reckless driving or dangerous driving, your best option, according to this ruling, the sentencing is, is really to run away because without the evidence, without the resources, the police will take, I guess, whatever it is, the easiest charge to lay and, and you know, not do anything else. So your family's devastated. Um, is there going to be an appeal? Has the Crown indicated anything to you? My understanding is that the Crown will not appeal this. What do you do as a family? Well, really, the only thing we can do at this point in time is, I mean, A, we have to accept that this is the criminal phase of the of the case, and that's over. Um, we don't like it, but we have to accept it. There's nothing else we can do. Um, civilly, there is a case that's going to be proceeding now that the criminal phase is over, and that is obviously, uh, you know, my sister-in-law's and her children that... Uh, uh, are facing a life without the uh, breadwinner at home. My brother was the uh, sole income earner for the family, and uh, obviously things have not been easy. It's, this has now uh, lasted for over three years, and only now is, you know, the civil phase is only going to be starting now. And I think the last thing we can do uh, as a family, and this is what we're obviously looking at now, is to try to do something, at least about the deterrence factor that's out there. Like, let's try to get some deterrence into the sentences that are being handed down for essentially killing people, uh, whether by negligence or by, by gross negligence and repair driving, and try to honor my brother's memory that way. We have to make sure that our justice system looks upon um, charges that are related to a vehicle infraction far more seriously than it has until now. Dan, I thank you so much for making time uh, for us and, 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 and talking to me today, and condolences to you and your family, and, and we will stay in touch. Thank you, Roy. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak about this. All the best to all of you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Dan Sampson. We'll come back. Stay with us on The Roy Green Show.